0: Hello everyone And welcome back To another edition of my podcast Hi, I'm Shane Told Welcome back to Lead Singer Syndrome If it's your first time here I'll tell you all about what we do I speak to other lead singers About what it's like to be the front man or front woman of the A band. And we've got a very special one today. Jamie Morgan of Code Orange is here on the show. And this one is next level. In fact, I think that's how I describe Code Orange. What they're doing, what they've done, what they're going to do, it's all next level. And getting to pick Jamie's brain about their mindset. It's so awesome. Wow. What a band. What an artist. This conversation is legendary. Sit back, buckle up. This is a good one. You're going to really enjoy it. And I really want to thank Jamie for jumping on and being so forthright, so honest. This conversation is badass. Before we get into that, thank you very much for listening to this. Thank you for telling a friend Telling a loved one, writing a review on iTunes, sending me an email. If you want to get in touch, I read them all. I try to write back to everybody. Syndrome at gmail.com. Hit me up. If you want to support the show, we have a Patreon. The Leadsinger Syndrome All Access Club for as little as $6 a month. It gets you all kinds of bonus stuff. It's a good time. The link for that is leadsingersyndrome.com slash allaccess. Big shout out to all my sinners worldwide. And of course, remember, there's like almost 300 back episodes that you can check out if you like this one. They're all pretty good. They're all pretty interesting. I would say the best way to consume this podcast is actually not to start at the beginning. I don't think this is like a TV show where you need to start at the beginning. In fact, I think it's best to work your way backwards start with the most recent ones and go back in time because I don't know it gets a little weird when you're talking about current events and stuff and you're like wait what happened in 2016 or whatever so start and work your way backwards and you're starting in a great spot right here because we have an awesome awesome conversation and we're going to get to it right now no delay here it is my conversation with Jamie Morgan Of Code Orange. Yo, what's up? Yo, what's up, Jamie? How are you? What's going on? How are you? I'm chilling. That's good. I, yeah, I'm just uh, well. Uh, the band is in New York City today. Nice. You know, that's always like it's great, but it can be a bit of a you know shit show. So I'm I'm sorry, I'm calling you a little late. No, you're okay. Where are you playing at? Webster Hall.
1: Oh hell yeah, that place is sick.
0: Yeah, it is. It's it's one of my favorite venues, and they've they've like just updated it. You know, um, I think they finished right before the pandemic, and and now it's like. It's super awesome. You got one of your
1: guy. one of my like guys is on your tour um driving a truck for you, my boy Zach.
0: Yeah, Zach. Yeah. Of course, man. Um one of the one of the best. I know he yeah, he did a bunch of stuff with you guys. I think what happened, if I remember, is uh and maybe it's a good place to start, honestly. Um back in March twenty twenty, I think he left like like after we got shut down. He went straight to you guys to help you with your uh, with your hometown show.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did for sure.
0: And yeah. and then you know, obviously, that's been. I mean, it's a great place to start because that was such a big moment. You know, like obviously, your your record was coming out, and the record. I mean, it turned so many heads. The record underneath, and here you guys are. The world's shutting down. You know, you're turning the cameras on and doing. You know, the first pandemic live stream, really, right? Yeah, thanks. Up there, for sure. What was that like for you, you know, going back to putting out this record, which, to quote you, you know, a a 24-hour-a-day obsession for us for about two years, Mm -hmm. and it probably came out at the worst time in modern history, but here you are kind of making the best out of it in this live stream was, obviously, it turned a lot of heads. A lot of people were stuck at home uh, watching you guys. Yeah, I mean, we had, you
1: know, we'd put in a, a lot of work for what we were getting ready to do, which was like a headline tour. And uh, we hadn't, you know, done a headline tour with any form of production or anything. So being able to do that meant a lot to us. So we put a lot of effort into that. And I feel that effort paid off because if we hadn't done that, you know, we wouldn't have had all the visual content we had. Uh, we wouldn't have had. A lot of the ideas we had of what to do to make the live stream more bearable, as some of them are a bit unbearable, and we had our team together. Uh, we just basically went and I remember we were just in front of our practice space, and we got the call that it was canceled, and we just went right into hyperdrive. That's usually our response to negative stuff because yeah, there's just been a lot of roadblocks, which I'm, there is for every band, but uh, it doesn't seem like it doesn't usually feel for us like things are ever super smooth sailing in the direction we want them to go. So
0: it was just kind of what we're used to and we just uh, rolled with it. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's, you you hit the nail on the head. It's never easy for any band, um, but it does seem like some bands have better luck than others. Um, Yeah, for sure. For sure. 100%. Um, I mean, you know, obviously for the next, 18 months, uh, 20 months, whatever, you know, it was since you guys were able to get back on the road. um, You know, you're standing still. I'm sure, you know, you guys are are being creative. And obviously, we'll talk about the new single that you just came out that you worked on, I'm sure, over the pandemic. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. you just talk about the momentum that Code Orange has had, um, you know, pretty much your whole career. But it seemed like things were really escalating. And then you have this roadblock. I mean, that's... That's got to be frustrating. Yeah, it was frustrating. I mean, but we
1: really never stood still. I mean, we went right into starting our own merch store. We did two other live stream specials. One that was called Under the Skin. That was a couple months after the first one, which was this kind of like... The, the, the concept was like, what if MTV Unplugged was in like a found footage horror movie? That was kind of like... <laughs> The concept. Yeah. So we went and shot like, Shade and I went and shot like 20 minutes of like kind of a found footage horror thing that was based off some elements of the album and some of the character stuff that we've developed over a couple albums and uh, combined that, you know, we got Ricky Rackman to come out. Uh, we <laughs> yeah. and we just did this kind of like, we, re- we revisited all of our songs and did it acoustically with electronics as well. And so that was like a fun challenge. And then we wanted to do, we wanted to go as big as we could go and as visual as we could go. So for our third live stream, it was called Back Inside the Glass. And basically, we did what's called projection mapping, where really we rented a French church and were in there for a couple weeks and uh, worked with a projectionist to map out the whole room, got a bunch of sheets from Walmart hung them all up, built a stage ourselves, our guitar player and bass player, Dom, uh, with a friend, built and painted a stage completely white. We made a whole white backdrop, and then Shade, our keyboardist, and I created visuals that changed every 10 seconds of every single song, and I'm really proud of that. It was kind of like this sci-fi dystopian thing that we were, you know, that our record um, was based in, and we were able to kind of do that to its fullest on the third one. And that was a paid stream and it's actually hasn't come out since I really would like it to come out. Cause I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's, it's my favorite live stream that there was period, not just our pan. So I think it's really cool, really unique. I haven't really seen anything like it, especially on a DIY budget. And uh, so we were able to exercise our creativity and that took us up to about November of last year. Cause the last one was October of last year. Yeah. And then um, we kind of spent time. I mean, we instantly—you know—we did that one. We felt okay. One, this is only reaching a certain bubble. I mean, it's only getting to people we've already gotten to. It's not really getting to anybody new. We can't do more free ones because we can't afford it. We were—we're we're in a bit of a—we were in a bit of a financial rut, of course. Um, so it's like we can't make more free ones. We don't want to do more paid ones because the whole goal of the band. Is basically to always get to new people and not to to honestly not really uh, strictly service the people that are already there, which I think is a little bit different about us than a lot of heavy bands because we're just not, you don't find that interesting or motivating, I guess. Right. So it kind of went right to, okay, well, we can't beat this. So let's move on to the next thing. And we started writing and we wrote for about eight months, uh, nine months. And uh, then, now we've just began touring So that kind of puts us here yeah. And all along, you know, there's a lot we a lot, In terms of, like, the business We operate a lot of our own business So, like, we are, you know, Joe and Dom Who are guitarists and bassists They uh, ship out all of our merch And Shade and I design it And Rebo runs the entire store operation So that's kind of another full-time
0: job within itself So we were able to keep pretty busy Is it a Pittsburgh thing? It sounds very, very much like Anti-Flag Oh, I love Anti-Flag <laughs> you know them having their own label and having the you know their own you know them being su- super DIY obviously musically you guys are a lot different but in cer- in terms of like, like punk rock ethics you know and DIY and doing this all yourself i mean you guys are as kind of a, as punk as anybody i guess right
1: i love anti-flag anti-flag gave us you know when we were little kids maybe like 16 years old we signed up for our contest to open for Anti Fog and we won and they picked us and we opened for them. Cool. Um, and we were friends ever since, pretty much. Yeah. They've helped us out a lot and they were like one of the first bands I ever got into when I was about 12 years old. Um, I actually got one of their CDs for Christmas
0: when I was a little <laughs>
1: kid. Awesome. And um, so I love them. But yeah, um, I don't know if it's a Pittsburgh thing. Uh, I think it's just for us, it's a necessity.
0: Yeah.
1: And we really despise people meddling in our affairs. We already have enough of those people being on a label and having a management and all this bullshit. So if there's anything we're able to take control of and do the right way, we do it because we often don't feel things are done the right way when they're done by anybody else. Pretty much, I would say 98% of the time. So
0: that's pretty much it. Well, I love that. Um, Before we start talking about all the current stuff, I really would love, you know, it's your first time here on the show. I'd love to talk about your, you know, your kind of upbringing and you're coming up in music and obviously you're known as, you know, being a drummer. Uh, also now more of a vocalist than a drummer, I guess. This is kind of p- sure. weird to hear probably for you, but I know you're a guitar player. Obviously you're writing songs. Um, tell me about like what it was like for you. You know, you said you're 12 years old, you got an anti-flag CD. So it seems like, you know, underground music has been a part of your life, uh, since, you know, you were really young.
1: Yeah, I was, my parents are really young. So, um, like my parents had me and my older sister when they were like 18, 19. So they were always playing a lot of hip hop, but also, you know, everything from the Rage Against the Machines of the world to, you know, a lot of like, You know, my my dad wasn't necessarily like in the hardcore punk scene, but he was into you know minor thread and black flag and the basics. You know, the basics. Yeah. Uh, So helped me get into the basics really young, and I met Reba when I was in sixth grade. So, you know, then we kind of both went from being into kind of basic punk stuff and hardcore stuff to getting even more into like. The Green Day and you know things that were bigger at the time. Yeah, and kind of following that rabbit hole a little bit, and then that leads you to punk, and punk led us to hardcore, and Pittsburgh in a lot of ways is very mixed up, or it was. So we were seeing you know noise shows and hardcore shows and punk shows, and even like the anti—I don't, I wouldn't call it pop punk, but like the anti-flag kind of blend of stuff or like an Against Me or something. We were very like integrated with that kind of thing as well, like house shows. And so we were just uh, kind of involved in everything in a lot of ways at like a pretty young age. We definitely weren't like cool at a young age or like aware of what was cool. (laughs) But we were just into everything. Um, We would go to the Warp Tour really early. Um, And then, but mostly it was like local uh, DIY. You know, and I booked my first show when I was probably like 15. Yeah. um, At like a art gallery. And so we just used to figure it out, you know, that's pretty much it. Like, I'm very, very grateful to have, young parents who were definitely really supportive of all that. and
0: he let you play a drum kid in the house, you know? For a minute, but then no. So then
1: I had to switch <laughs> over to Eric's house. And I used to go to my other boy, jo- uh, Anton and George. These are my boys in my old band. That was more of like, we would cover like the Ramones and the Hives and like mm-hmm. Green Day, all kinds of stuff. Basically anything that was just like alternative or punk and uh, vaguely punk really. And then that was when I was like 10. That was in like fourth, fifth not fourth, no, 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 like sixth, seventh grade, and then that ended going into high school, and then we started Code Orange first, right away, ninth grade high school, so.
0: Yeah, wow. No, you, I mean, you guys are still a young band. I mean, you're only like in your mid-20s, right? I'm 28. Okay. 28 now. Okay. So, so I'm yeah. getting there, <laughs> but I mean, you know, for, for already what a career you've had, you are relatively, uh, relatively young, but that's really cool that you've, you know, stuck it out with some of the same people and some of the same friends and that you've had, you've had the same vision, you know, cause that's, that's what derails so many bands kind of even before they get to any kind of level, you know,
1: I think the strength of our vision and our, guiding kind of compass about what we're here to do is what's kept us all and our friendship i mean we have a really deep friendship i mean i've been with these kids my whole life you know we're literally my whole life like joe eric was in the band right away eric or we call him shade he was in the band immediately and joe was like selling our merch and helping us He's our bass player, you know, mm-hmm. spray paint our shirts. And Dom, who's in the band now, I met even earlier than Eric and John. I met him in sixth grade and used to ride the bus with him. So <laughs> it's all insulated. And when you're a band like us, when you're a band that is trying to push the limit, when you're a band that's a little bit polarizing, when you're a band that kind of goes forward, uh, sometimes allyless. You have to be insulated, and you have to be close to the people that are in it, because that's the soul of it. It's not really... It's in no way me. You'll never see Code Orange with just me, or me and Reba. You'll never see that. Because it's just not worth it to me. I would rather do something else. I really... And I've thought about that deeply, because it's easier said than done, once you get up there, and you don't have any fucking life skills. But, Hmm. you know, we... The band is us, five, and... It's just the soul of the mission that drives us forward really more than anything else.
0: Well, I, I love that. And, and that's that answers a lot of my questions that I have, but I, I'm going to ask them kind of anyway, you know? For sure. You know, it's true. You know, your music has really pushed the envelope of what, you know, heavy music not only is, but what it can be. Thanks. And starting off, you know, on Death Wish, and I, had, I actually had Jake... Bannon just on, on the podcast the other day, I talked to him, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting on a label like that, that is very much in a certain pocket, you know, not not to say like you're pigeonholed in a certain scene, but not a lot of Death Wish bands end up on Roadrunner, you know, mm-hmm. to, to kind of start there and sort of just pretty much immediately say, okay, we're not just a punk hardcore band. We're not like opening for Converge is not as big as we're ever going to be. And kind of coming to that realization, I feel like you're right in that that has to be a group decision. It can't just be, okay, this is Jamie's vision and we're here along for the ride because I just think right away, that seems like it wouldn't pan out.
1: No way. You don't, you don't get people to, people don't give up their lives to come along for your ride. That's why you see it. Almost every band fall apart. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But in terms of what you're saying, We've always been the same way and everybody knows because looking at it on paper is one way, but look at it this way. You know, when we were in high school, we would sign up, we would try to get into the battle of the bands and the other bands wouldn't even vote us in. You know what I'm saying? Then we got to death wish. We worked up to that. And it's because we started doing things like whether it was like, this is hardcore fest or going out with terror and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then people who like death wish stuff, they didn't like us and they would hate on us and say, we were trying to be this or that. So we were never enough. This, we were never enough. That. Yeah. That went through, when we were younger. That went through high school. That went through get being cool and hardcore for three months or whatever. <laughs> and it goes on and on to the song we just put out. Yep. It's never been. It's never been one unifying scene or um, group likes what we do all the way.
0: And Absolutely.
1: That's been to our detriment in some ways. Because what happens is we build up. What happens with other bands is they build up and then they hopefully add new people onto the pile. But every single time we add new people onto the pile, we lose people. And we lose a lot of people. Pretty much at every turn, we lose a lot of people. We lost people. We gained a lot but lost people from our first record um, to I Am King. And then we went from I Am King to Forever. We lost a lot of people as well, but gained new ones. And it goes on and on. So we're in a bit of an odd cycle. And I research other bands, I look at other bands, I watch everything other bands do. And I do think our situation is a bit unique because, again, we continue to grow, but then we also lose a lot of people. So it is what it is. It's always been like that. It was like that since death, which we never fit in. We never fit in there. We never fit in in regular hardcore shit. And people who listen to hardcore know what I'm talking about. There's like all kinds of, I mean, there's just different things. Especially, but there was, there's just, there was just different kind of like subcultures within the subculture in a lot of ways, you
0: know? Uh, absolutely. Well, that's, that's very self-aware and very honest, honestly, to, to, just to say that, I think a lot of bands wouldn't just put that out there. Um, so I res- I respect that greatly that you're just coming, you know, saying it, which brings us to the new song, Out for Blood, um, you know, recently came out, you just came off tour with Slipknot. Yeah. Um, you're working with Rob Cavallo. Yeah. And you've mentioned Green Day several times. He's the he's the for people that don't know, he is the Green Day producer, producing everything pretty much from Dookie till today, I think. I mean, that is big time stuff and pretty interesting. So talk to me about how that came about. He's awesome well that came about because we we
1: suck it or we uh you know sought it out pretty much so I mean basically we knew what we wanted to do in terms of what kind of song we wanted to make um, and we knew we wanted to one just make a song that we all love but we really wanted to we were kind of using the word almost like fun which isn't a word we've ever used making any song in history yeah but you know I would sit there i would be working out and i would be listening to DMX and I'd be listening to like uh, White Zombie and I'll be listening to Pantera Walk and I'll be listening to and, and the shit's fun. It's like I want to I want to run through a wall. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, why don't we have something that scratches that itch? Because you know, when we make an album, a lot of times it's very deeply conceptual and there's a lot of points that need to be hit and to make that happen for us a lot of time fun don't fit in because it's the process isn't fun. And the idea of what we're talking about and doing isn't fun. But, you know, I was like, what if we took some of our frustrations or some of the stuff we were just talking about and kind of put it into a song that has all of our attitude packed into it and has our presence, but is, you know, something that just makes you want to, as I've been saying, drive off a fucking bridge, basically. In a good way. Like, kind (laughs) of like the way like Vin Diesel does it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, we made that song and I'm super proud of it. Rob, basically, we sent a bunch of demos to. Only one of them was out for Blood. There's a lot of other songs as well. But we knew we wanted to focus on that one for this exact point uh, in kind of charting out the process of where we want to, what we want to do between our last record and what our next record will be. And, he just super gravitated towards it. It was about as natural as it gets. I mean, he just called me right away and, uh, I ain't trying to put myself over here. This is what he actually said. He was just like, there is no band like this. So I want to do it. And I want to do it like tomorrow. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, well, sounds fucking good to me. Wow. That was it. I mean, he just, he he was just, he just was like, I don't have to do this shit. I don't really do that much anymore. But when you hear something and it's not like other stuff, He's like, that's what I'm looking for. So let's do it. And so we did it. And that was it. And I hope we get to do it. We can do more. I really do. He's really great.
0: So it was just a single. So there's...
1: For this one. For this one. But we, we still, we're still talking. We're still trying to figure it out. I would love to do what we do next with him. Because he's... He just... he. It's hard to explain. But he works for us on a lot of different levels. Like he's really technically proficient and musically proficient. But he's also like big picture minded. And I don't know. It was just really fresh for us and fun. And uh, and he's great with songs He just understands songwriting And like, you know, the song was pretty much what it was When we went into him, to be honest I mean, right. but he just helped us freshen it up And make the dynamics pop And get the right performances Which m- most of the performances were Even more live than they normally are So, yeah, it's been a great It's been an awesome experience It's been exactly what I wanted it to be, you know
0: Yeah, it's, it's just it's just crazy to think that it's It's a guy that's been, you know Making platinum records like since you were born. Oh, yeah, for sure. Coming in, I mean, that's you're gonna learn shit from a guy like that. And were there ever any moments? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but like any moments in the studio where you were like, oh shit, like I never thought to do something this way, you know, or something like that?
1: A lot of it was like there was a little bit of that, but honestly, a lot of what he did was reaffirm that the way we were thinking about songs, especially that song. Cause I wouldn't even say a lot of the other songs that we have been, I mean, we have, we have right now like 25 songs or something. Right. So I wouldn't even say like a lot of the songs, most of the songs stylistically aren't like out for blood at all, really. But there, but there is, you know, songwriting things that we've been learning when we're, when we're trying to accomplish certain goals versus other goals, you know, like in a song. And, He just helped reaffirm that the way we were thinking was right and helped us tweak little things sonically and dynamically that we really needed to learn. And he really uh, has helped us learn that, along with another guy who we went in and worked with for a little bit, which was Billy Corgan.
0: Really? Who, yeah. I um, I didn't hear about that. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. We uh, went and worked with him for a little bit, and I had been sending him a lot of our stuff, still a lot of stuff that hasn't surfaced yet. Uh, Out for Blood was one of those, a little bit, not as much as some of the other ones, but it was definitely one of them. And it was kind of that same thing. You know, I would just, I talked to him and I just sat down with a notebook. Me, Reba, and Eric went flew out and I just wrote down every single thing that he said and just tried to learn and try to get his perspective on what, you know, because he hadn't even, Billy hadn't even heard, and Rob either. Billy and Rob had never heard our other records at all. Right, They just heard the 10 demos that I sent both of them. And uh, their confidence in just that was really inspiring because it's like, damn, you don't even know the journey we've been on and you don't even know what we've done, but you're telling me the same stuff I believe about what we're doing without having even have heard it, the other
0: stuff. Right.
1: And so that gave me a lot of confidence in in where we're going moving forward, you know? So um, it was great though.
0: Wow, that is crazy, man. That is crazy. Two absolute legends. Um, Oh, for sure, for sure. I don't know. I don't know how I could just, have a conversation on the phone with Billy Corgan. Like, I think I'd freak out.
1: I mean, once you like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a little nerve wracking, but my mindset is such that not that I in any way have any delusions of having done one tenth of what somebody like Billy Corgan did, but I don't, Ever think that I'm not supposed to be there. I kind of feel like I am supposed to be there. Yeah. You know, it's not really like as much of an ego thing as it is like a belief thing. Yeah. You know, that belief has also been polarizing about our band, you know, even more so than the music in a lot of ways. And, but that's, but at the same time, that belief is what turns the next page. You know what I'm saying? So it's a double-edged sword a little bit, but, you got to be truthful to yourself, you
0: know? Absolutely. Well, I mean, this podcast is called Lead Singer Syndrome. And, you know, we've I've talked to so many singers about that idea of that you have to, as a lead singer, as a front man, you've got to ooze confidence. You know what I mean? You've got to really believe and you've got to really bring it. Which brings me to kind of where you're at now, stepping, you know, uh, uh, in, into the front of the stage, leaving the drum kit behind. Um, how is that? transition been for you i mean that must be a little strange i mean it doesn't really feel strange you know like in terms of confidence
1: i'm very very confident in what we're doing and the same what i told you earlier and you said i was being honest about Mm -hmm. uh like the way we're perceived and the way our journey has been Never get it twisted. I still believe that we're going to come out on the winning end of that journey. One hundred percent. I mean, I don't just believe it. I really feel that I know it. And sometimes it's hard to be on that journey, but I do see the end game and I do see where it's going to go in my heart. And that doesn't mean when I look in the mirror, I'm confident about what I see because I'm not, but I'm confident in my band and I'm confident in the people in my band And I'm confident in my vision for art. And I'm confident in us when we get on that stage because we put the proper work in, because we rehearse for weeks and weeks and weeks in a room that's as big as some people's bedrooms that has no heater AC and no windows in the winter and in the summer and all the time. And we do things that other people don't do. So that's where my confidence comes from in the band. Yeah. And you know, I look at Reba and all the skills she has and I'm blown away. I look at shade and the visual stuff he can do. I mean, shade could literally go work for fucking Pixar. Like, but he does this shit with us. Yeah. And I look at the people in my band and I just believe in their honesty and their truth in a world in which, you know, it's hard to find that I've had a hard time finding it outside of my band. You know, most of the other bands we interact with and other people we interact with I don't see that. It might start that way, but it usually doesn't end that way. Right. But these guys around me, I just believe in them. And that gives me more confidence in our vision. Now, like I said, that really doesn't mean that when I go, when I wake up and look in the mirror, am I so happy with what I see? Or am I so happy with my voice when I listen to an interview? Or am I so happy with my quote, that's the headline or am I whatever? No, I'm not. And I've been writing about that for years, but I'm confident in what we do. And I'm confident that we put in more effort than anybody. And I'm confident that in life, when you do that, things pay off. And that's pretty much it. I forget your question, so I am sorry, because I started getting, I started getting nutty there, so I apologize.
0: No, and, and well, what you, what you said still does answer the question um, about, you know, about your confidence. The question was about stepping, stepping out from behind the cage. Oh, fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess like from a more um, real perspective, it's like, Okay, I've been in this band the whole time, playing drums, sitting there doing vocals. Now I'm like, well, you got to run around, you know. I mean, there's, there's, you can't, you can't practice running around in in a uh, ten by ten uh, bedroom, you know what I mean? So like, when you step on stage, it's like you'd be surprised because I, because <laughs> we do. <laughs> okay, we do, we do
1: that. That's part of our practicing, and it's a little bit wacky, but the reason we do it is because you don't want to have a you don't want your cardio to go on you just like anything else when you get up there. It's pretty much that simple because the adrenaline dump's going to be hard, especially at first, first couple shows after a long time. So you got to get used to that. So we'll do the set. We'll spend a couple of weeks just playing the songs, working, and then we'll spend a couple of weeks every day where everyone's really pissed off and annoyed doing the set three or four times full bore, full energy as much as we can do it. yeah, To get gassed out and get tired while we play so that when we get tired, we don't play like shit. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much what we do in terms of going from drumming to singing it's felt pretty natural I'm still trying to get better but um, in terms of like who I am and what I enjoy about the band I never really enjoyed drums about the band I mean everybody kind of knew that I, <laughs> I've just played drums my whole life and I do enjoy rhythm but I always enjoyed the big picture and like the art aspect and I love performing but I never really loved performing drums like it didn't re- it doesn't really do anything for me I probably wouldn't play drums in another band right
0: Well, filling your shoes on tour is Max Portnoy, who is the son of legendary drummer Mike Portnoy, you know, mostly known for dream theater. Yeah. I mean, you talk about how tightly knit your group is, yeah. how important that is. I mean, it must've been a pretty big decision to find the guy that can not only play, but also understands what you're doing and the vision and is like, I believe in this cause I'm going to be in a 10 by 10 room with no AC, no heat along Mm. with you guys like that's that's a big step now now like for most bands i'm like okay whatever they bring in a guy he's on he's their touring drummer whatever yeah but for you it does seem like a bigger decision for sure i mean yeah and that's kind of
1: part of the reason why i kind of created this like you know we have this kind of character in our lore that we use for a lot of our stuff that's called we a nickname for it is like the mud man because he first showed up in this music video we have called the mud mm-hmm. and it was like an animated thing so we started kind of building stuff around that and um, we create we I decided early on we were going to get a new drummer that I wanted them to wear uh, this mud man mask that we had made to kind of be symbolic of that character until it felt like it was time for them to break free of that and and be their own person because they are walking into a family situation and as Stone Cold Steve Austin says, DTA, don't trust anybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, got to see you. Got to see what's going on, and uh, that's kind of the deal. You know, we had a drummer for about a year during the pandemic and it didn't pan out. Right, and so I'm very glad with my decision of going of kind of going with the Mud Man alias, and we're stepping it up, and we're he's Mud Max right now.
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, I mean, I love the fucking kid, and I hope I hope uh, nothing more than it gets to a level where. We're completely comfortable and we're ready to call them family, you know, but I love them and it's been going as good as it can go. But, you know, that's part of why we do that one, because I thought it would be cool for kind of building a lot of what Code Orange tries to do is kind of build a world around the music as well, you know, uh, visually and uh, everything else. So I thought that could play into it and it kind of had a double nice thing because it's also not you're not fully letting someone all the way in because, again, it's a family, it's a friendship, it's a cult, you know. And Yeah It takes a while You gotta see what people are made of And so far so good He's awesome He's an unbelievable drummer He's a great kid I get along with him Really well And uh Just see what happens That's pretty much
0: it Yeah No absolutely You've you've brought up visual Aspects to your band uh, and Shade, you know, I guess is sometimes the mastermind behind it. Um, I know Max Moore. He did a Silverstein video. He's the man. Yeah. Um, it seems like you you just have a really great group around the visuals, but you also, it seems like you put as much work into that as you do your music. For sure. Um, I mean, you guys have even had great music videos back when you were on Death Wish. you know. Um, Thank you. Probably with very, very small budgets. Yeah. <laughs> just talk to me about what, like, What goes into a typical video? Like how long you prepare for this? Um, It seems like it's a lot.
1: I usually, I mean, it's a fucking lot. That's pretty much it. I mean, usually I write the videos out in like extreme detail, um, especially the last, especially from forever on, especially. But, um, and then I give it to Max. We collaborate, he scales it down a lot. (laughs) And makes it realistic.
0: <laughs> and
1: I think because we shoot so high, what is realistic actually ends up being, you know, really awesome. And a lot of the time that involves, because of the budgets, us having to be very involved with the production, meaning a lot of the props you've seen we've built or we've made or we've had close people make and build. Um, a lot of the stunt stuff we do, you know. Yeah one of the members of our band is like the main character and pretty much all the videos playing this kind of character that, that has developed over the videos. Um, of three, for instance, on the alpha blood video, all the 3d stuff shade did that. Um, we got those, a lot of the production stuff made on our own and brought it to the table. The outfits for the most part, we did actually on alpha blood have someone help with styling, meaning bringing clothes. We could kind of trade in and out, but in a lot of the outfits we go and get made and get figured out weeks ahead. And, you know, it's, it's the symbols in Albert Blood, you know, are spray, we spray painted them in the parking lot of the last Knotfest show <laughs> you know, with blood splatter. So I just say all that to give people an idea of like what really goes into it and how we're able to do it for not huge budgets. You know, and that's kind of the process. It's very DIY. We're very involved. Yeah. The shoot days will be 20 hours. You know, when people leave, we stay with Max. Max is unbelievable. I mean... And if you have an idea, Max is the ultimate executor of ideas. Wow! I think that's where his uh, strengths are the strongest because he's doing so many videos. If you really have an idea, and I'm not talking about you say like the same fucking we want to play in a warehouse or whatever. Even though, you know, warehouses are very useful, but you better have an idea for what, for me, it's like, why are we in the warehouse? Like what makes
0: sense? You know, how do we make it make sense? It's like when the, 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 band's in the middle of the desert, it's like, okay, but why though? We don't do that. We don't do that. And if you
1: watch especially if you watch the last four or five in a row, it's kind of like one continuous story in a lot of ways. Right. So yeah, I mean, I'm just, like I said, I have got great collaborators and, uh, Max is unbelievable. I mean, it's... It's great. Like, me and Max, I want us to make a movie or something because I just feel like people just don't really get it, how good he actually is. And that doesn't mean every single video he ever does is going to be, like, the most mind-blowing thing you ever saw because when you do a 1,000 videos and you're expected to come up with all the ideas, you know, it's hard enough for me to come up with one of these or two every album. You know, having to come up with all kinds of ideas for all kinds of bands can make it kind of difficult. But... When you see Max and he's really on form, like with the creative and his heart is all the way there. I mean, there's no one better than him. No old school guy, no fucking rich guy who went on to make movies. He's that guy. I agree. And we're that band. So when it comes to it, we're the team. So that's how we do it.
0: I agree. I agree. He's awesome. Um, Well, how was the Slipknot Tour? I haven't even asked you. I mean, you, you guys just finished that up, didn't you?
1: Yeah, we just finished that up about maybe like a month ago, and then I got COVID right the day after.
0: Oh man, oh no. Well, I guess I guess, and it was pretty bad actually. Oh, uh, you were you were pretty sick.
1: Yeah, I was vaccinated. I'm vaccinated and everything. Obviously, we all been for like the beginning, but still. Yeah, I still got pretty fucking sick, to be honest. That's but uh, just it's all good. I'm good now, so it's all good. But the Slipknot tour was great. Um, you know, Corey has become a really good friend of mine, and. He put that together. He's just a real dude at the end of the day. I mean, the only thing that was hard about it was playing so early because it can be frustrating when everyone who's there is fucking feeling it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But ain't that many people there. right? (laughs) So you just, your mind, when you're me and when you're us, you're just frustrated. Um, But looking at the positive, we got in front of a lot of new people. Yep, And they're the right people and they were loving it and we were killing it and it was awesome. I mean, so it was hard cause it was a COVID bubble. So we couldn't do anything, see anybody, have anybody backstage or anything. Yeah. But, and you know, we weren't on a bus, so that did made it kind of tough, but, um, past that, it was great. And I, you know, I hope we can keep getting opportunities like that and hopefully we can keep working up our popularity to be able to get higher on the bills. And, uh, cause when we get in front of them crowds, man, I mean, if, Anyone to come? If anybody sees us at a festival or whatever, like the last festival play, we had a giant crowd. I mean, the shit was unbelievable. You know, you could see with your own eyes that it works. Then it's just tough sometimes because that's the name of the game, and everybody wants the spot.
0: Well, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I see you guys are doing some huge festivals in Europe uh, next summer. Yeah.
1: We got another big support tour coming up that we were about to announce. Okay, Pretty cool. Soon.
0: Okay. Yep. I see that makes sense because it is December and these festivals aren't until June, Yeah, but you know, rock em ring, rock em park, download Nova rock. Yeah. These are all for people that don't know. These are all festivals that are between, you know, 40 000 to 80,000 people. Um, and I, ass- I, ass- I know you guys have done that before, you know, the, the festival. Circus. Kind of,
1: <laughs> but, but we're always off to the fucking side in the corner, in the barn, you know what I mean.
0: Like, and this time, I assume you guys are going to be on some big stages. Yeah, bigger for sure. Probably prime time slot. And now talking to you, I assume you have probably some pretty big ideas for what you can do for your production and and. <sighs> we're gonna do our best. Yeah, we're gonna do our
1: absolute best with what we got, which we don't have a lot. We don't make a lot of money. We don't really make any money, literally. But. <laughs> We're going to do the best of what we can do. And, uh, you know, we want to fucking smash everybody. That's pretty much it. I mean, and it's not in like a mean way or anything, but just like, I want people to see other bands and go, well, that was nothing compared to this. And that's what we do. We just try to top ourselves and top everyone around us, all with love, all with just fun, competitive nature. But that's how we look at it. So we're going to bring it 100 percent and We'll give it all physically as well as people know we do. We'll go as hard as, as you can go.
0: There you go. Well, I mean, you guys have been recognized. You know, I mean, this, this, you guys have done it for yourself. You guys have continued to outdo yourself, but also you've had, you know, not just, you know, press from everything from New York Times, Billboard, yeah. you know, uh, things like that, NPR, but you've also had two Grammy nominations, which, I mean, I don't know how much you'll, you'll downplay it or not, but like that's the shit. I mean, your parents probably really are excited about, you know? Oh, like yeah. that's, oh, that's yeah. the, the, the ultimate um, uh, validation.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, that was awesome in that way just for my life. Like, in terms of, you know, the people around you, I like, really understand what you're doing at that point and what else can you ask for. Like, that's really cool. Um, I want to win and we're going to win. I don't want to just be nominated. I mean, a lot of people have been nominated. But we want to win, so we got to keep pushing. I mean, we have many steps to go. When it comes to press and all that and reviews, we've been through We've gotten We've gotten the best reviews you can get. We've gotten the best press you can get a lot of the time. But you know very well that stuff is a cycle, and they're there today. They're gone tomorrow, then they're back there. It's just like certain groups of the kids, you know? Right. It comes in waves, so you got to have a bigger plan than that. You can't be counting on that especially if you're a band like us and you know, your next moves are not gonna your, our next move never pleases anybody, everybody and it never will. So with that being the case, and that's something actually we talked to Billy Corgan about a lot, a lot is he said, you know, you've had the best you can get, but just know they will cannibalize you. And I know they will. I mean, I, I'm, I'm aware of that. And, uh, So you got to think bigger than that a little bit, but it's been great. I mean, it feels really good, but it's like, it's like the old thing people say, like if you internalize that a hundred percent, then don't you kind of have to internalize when someone writes their fucking three paragraph essay in the comments about how they understand like why what you're doing is shit and they know better than everybody why you suck. (laughs) I mean, you kind of have to, if you're if you're a fair man. So you have to, you have to be balanced. Like I just try to use that stuff to promote us as much as we can to get out in front of more people, you know, and that's it. But
0: well, I mean, it seems to be working, you know, of course you're never going to please everybody, but it seems like, you know, you continue to grow and continue to, you know, do bigger things. Um, thank you. I mean, when you guys are, you know, looking at if you're supporting, uh, doing a big support, you said next year yeah, right. or, um, you know, festivals and stuff like, w- are you still going to play your old music? Like, is this still, can your, can the, the fans that maybe have like you say left you behind, are they still going to do this? Or are you guys pushing forward with, you know, out for blood and under underneath and, and just that stuff? Like, what is your vision there?
1: Well, let me say one. Cause I don't want it to, I think I try to be like, I try to be like, honest if I can to like what we actually feel and talk about. So I don't want it to sound like bitter because I totally understand why certain people move on from stuff that you've done and don't like the next thing you do. Like I really do get that. And I also get that part of our engineering in a lot of ways is to be polarizing. And that being the case, you can't sit there and cry when people don't like the next thing you do like I totally understand that and I totally get it especially when people do it with respect you know what I mean and not disrespect when they go out quietly <laughs> they're good with, they're good with me you know what I'm saying like so I I I get it but um in terms of what we're going to do with our old stuff I mean we even thought that through I mean we had a show that uh, called we didn't tell anybody but we had a show that we were calling end of an era was the last time we played this is hardcore we headlined it it was my last show on drums but we didn't tell anybody that and we played some of our super old stuff and we played uh a mix of all that stuff and uh it was called end of an era so if you didn't pick up on it then it is what it is you know what i mean that was the end (laughs) okay it's a new era you can watch it on youtube it's a cool show so it's called, uh yeah, End of Venera, We did it in Philly. This is Hardcore yep. Fest. Yep. Played some of the super old stuff. Played like re rethought versions of some of that stuff and played I Am King stuff and some of the forever stuff. And we didn't have anything else. So we, we were like almost done with Underneath at the time. So, But uh, yeah, I think going forward, it just depends. You know, I think the record we like the most is the Underneath, obviously. Because yep. I mean, we just made it. And I'm pretty sure that's how everybody feels. Even though sometimes I talk to bands like, I won't say who, but I talk to bands and like they're like, truthfully, which I respect, but they're just like, oh, I like this older one better than that one and this and that. And I'm just thinking like, why do you do this? Like, what is the point of doing this? Like, I don't get any joy out of a lot of aspects of doing this. The one thing I get joy out of is trying to make your next thing, especially when it comes to albums, you know, beat the last one. Totally for yourself at least totally but if you talk to a lot of bands they'll tell you they like this old one that old one because they must not be that involved but we're all involved so yeah we're that kind of band that people hate that likes their new shit i mean it is what it is i just know our new shit's better i mean alpha bud is a single it's a song we'll definitely be rocking that shit but you know it's not an album i don't think it's um like we're only going to, like you would think from a way a lot of people react is like, you're only going to play out for blood fucking 12 times with out for blood first and out for blood third and out for blood seventh, out for blood number two at the end. You know what I mean? Right. Doesn't make any fucking sense. But, um, we'll definitely be playing out for blood. We'll definitely be playing underneath stuff. We'll definitely be playing forever stuff. I am King Stuff. We'll see if it feels good. Sure, we want to do it. Before that, no, we ain't doing none of that shit because we already
0: did it. <laughs> there, there, you go. And I, I completely respect that. Um, the last question I have, I wanted to ask you about working with Chris Frenna. because. Um I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Obviously he played drums in Nine Inch Nails. Me too. For a long time and I know it, all it says on the record is that he did programming, but I really wonder what his involvement was was with uh, under underneath cuz that's just yeah. a guy that I've just I have so much respect for.
1: That's awesome. Have you ever met him or not?
0: No, I have not. No.
1: Dude, you would love him. He's so cool. Like Nine Inch Nails is my favorite band of all time. I mean, everybody anybody that pays any attention to me or us knows that. I mean, I can't really hide it. You know what I'm saying? I'm very, I love Nine Inch Nails to the point where other people in the band do get mad at me from time to time because it's just too much. But I'm just a bit obsessed at the end of the day. Sure. So, you know, I try to, you know, to, to get that opportunity was just a beautiful thing, man. And he just melted right in. It was kind of a similar situation. like, Many situations we have where it's like he wasn't doing a ton of creative technically, but he was doing, one, a ton of technical stuff that was very, very helpful. And two, a little bit of creative here and there and just helping us spruce it up. And also, again, it's just like the confidence. Like, he just thought it was fucking sick. You know what I'm saying? I, I know he really did. Yeah. Like, he was just like, dude, this is sick. And, like, let's work on it. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's a beautiful feeling to all really feel like that. And we cherish that. And getting to work with him, and we're still good friends with him. I'm sure we'll work with him more. Hopefully, he'll work on our next record too. But like to get to work with him, get to work with Cavallo, get to work a little bit with Billy, you know, and then get to work with like our guy, Will Yip, who's been our guy since since the beginning. Get to work with Kurt Ballou, who's awesome, and we're still buddies with. It's a beautiful thing. And again, I don't know. I think it's cool that we've been able to bridge that gap between a Kurt Balloo and a Billy Corgan or a right. Chris Serena and right. a Will Yip. And uh you know, there was times where people were saying we were like a beatdown band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like what are we? I don't even know. But we've worked with everybody, it's, so it's I, cool. I, I love I, it.
0: I mean, speaking of nice Nails, have you met Trent Reznor? Have you talked to him at nah. all? No, nah, he don't
1: want to talk to me. I wish, bro. I mean, <laughs> no
0: our luck. no in
1: Arluk. He's never even gonna hear. <laughs> it. But I will say that I would love that, and uh, you know, the Fragile and the Downward Spiral are probably like my two favorite albums of all time. So, I mean, he's a legend to me, and he is. It will be amazing and. You know, it is what it is, though. So, but at the end of the day, you know. Oh, another one guy we got to work with. I want to shout out is Andrew Dawson, who is was Kanye West's like prime engineer and one of his prime collaborators for many records. Uh, Jesus, Beautiful, Dark, Twisted Fantasy, wow. all the early stuff. And I sought him out because of that, because I'm a really big, um, especially I was, I still am, but I'm a really big, you know, Kanye fan, and he's one of my favorite artists. And um, so I sought him out for Before Underneath. So he helped us work on the song Underneath. Oh,
0: okay. And he
1: helped with a lot of the, a lot of stuff for that song. And like, sonically making like, I really wanted the kick drums in the low end to hit like, actually like how great hip-hop does, not like how rock imitating hip-hop does, which is just like embarrassing to me and horrible. So, <laughs> I, know I you tried, to bring in, tried to bring in the right guy and He helped us and it was great. So that's another one. So I just think it's a cool little like map that we're building of like different things that all make sense for my life because this is all stuff that I love. You know, I loved Converge growing up and and I still do. And I love Nine Snails, and I love Smashing Pumpkins and I love Kanye West. And if we can do that, like what else can you do in life?
0: Well, I love that you're putting these influences together and making something not only special, but something different from what's out there. So much love to you, Jamie uh, and and code orange and and everything you're doing. Um, Anything else to tell the people before I let you go? Well, thank you to you for one.
1: It's awesome. Um, I know you've been doing this shit for a long time too. So I think it's just cool to talk to somebody who's been, Doing it and gets it
0: and thank you, man.
1: Understands it and has been through it. And i I'm sure you've written ups and downs and all kinds of shit. So I just respect that. I think it's cool. And I would always rather talk to somebody like you than talk to a never did it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So I'll that say that. I'll also say I also say stream Alpha Blood. Go check out the video for Alpha Blood. Yep. Um we're real proud of it. We're working on our next stuff. And if you don't like Alpha Blood, that's cool as well, but they're liking it on the radio. They're liking it on the radio. So let's uh, let's open up some doors. You know what I'm saying? And keep going on to our next thing. I'm really excited for our next album. Um, we have a lot of really great things in the works that I think that anyone who's ever liked us will be into. So looking forward to
0: it. Any idea when the new album might see the light of day? Or maybe you can't mention it yet.
1: We'll see. We got some. We got some plans. We'll see. Right now, we are our touring schedule. We, again, we haven't announced it yet, but I don't really care. Is we're doing. We're gonna be touring. All of March and all of April, and then again all of June. Yep. For Europe, like you said. Yep. So we actually have two tours that haven't been announced between now and the one that's in June. So great. We're supposed to be announcing all that stuff next week. When is this coming out? Oh, yeah,
0: you can you can talk about it because this won't come out. Mm, just yeah, I think I I'll make sure. Okay, so
1: the two tours we're doing is we're touring with Corn and Chevelle.
0: Oh wow! And
1: um, it's like a arena tour and. It'll be just us three, so I'm pretty fucking jacked about that. And then we're doing a headline tour, um, where we're playing some of the festivals and stuff we weren't going to play last time with the
0: band Loath, who are from the UK. Hell yeah, hell yeah, and love love them. They're going to
1: support. They're awesome. And this band, Dying Wish, who's gonna yeah support as well. And then one other band. We had a band, but they just dropped out, so we we're working on it. But we're announcing all that shit next week. So i'm excited those will go those will run back to back literally right in a row same
0: same run so cool well these this will be out and people can can get tickets uh for those through those tours oh yeah i love that new dying wish record that's that's a really exciting um um, both of those things and they're going to be very different definitely (laughs) that's what we
1: want exactly bro exactly you know like they're different and that's what's fun like i want to go do corn and Chevelle and play for like heads that listen to the radio and just rock on. Then I want to go do our own thing with our visuals and with awesome, heavy new bands at the same
0: time. Like, Why can't we do it all? We can, and we will. So that's what I like to do. Absolutely. Yeah, and not only not only can you, but you should. Thank you, man. That's the key. So, beautiful. What a plan. Jamie, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, hope to see you in person sometime. Would love to shoot the shit again.
1: Well, let's hang out, for sure. I appreciate it. Thank you, man.
0: Alright, man. Appreciate it. All the best. So there it is with Jamie. That guy is awesome. That guy is about as hardworking a guy as you will ever find in music. And I just love seeing the hard work that they've put in really not go under the radar. Getting recognition. Everything from the Grammys to Billy Corgan is taking notice of what they're doing. Super, super awesome stuff. Now, they have a lot of great music, but I think we got to play the latest song. Here it is. Out for Blood on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love, and I'll see you next week.